Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello. Welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA. That's Musical Theater College Auditions. And today we have got a wicked good show lined up for you. I couldn't help myself. Talia Suskauer is on the pod and is an amazing MTCA alum. And I just continue to be floored and humbled by our MTCA students who come back on as guests. Uh, She was so poised and so mature. It's just so exciting for us to see that and always to see our students flourishing. Um, In terms of upcoming events with MTCA, juniors, you'll have seen all of the information drop on our Spring Faculty Masterclass series that's happening online throughout the next few months, as well as this March 18th and 19th is our junior weekend in preparation for those masterclasses. That's happening in New York City and online. Online is currently sold out, but New York City, we opened an additional room and there's still a few slots left for that. For my seniors, the results continue to come in, and we'll chat a bit about that on our takeaway at the end of the episode, so stay tuned to that. But I'm sending you all love and breath. If you're listening to this on a Wednesday, we have a webinar for you tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern, which I strongly recommend attending, about navigating this specific moment of the year, all the pressure tactics of schools that have let you know, navigating wait lists, negotiating scholarships. It's a really tricky and different moment than what your process has been so far. As for a personal update, I had a blast guest teaching earlier this week with my friend and former podcast guest, Ryan Quinn, for his class at Pace University. Um, I really love popping into these college classes, which I've done a number of times at different schools. And I can't say I'd want to be a full-time faculty at the moment, but I do love teaching at the college level. It's so exciting. Also, I'm feeling very grateful today on a Tuesday, though you'll be hearing this on a Wednesday, uh, for my wonderful girls this spring, you know. Uh, Solvay is literally obsessed with her dad right now, and we are loving it. And I'm grateful for all of you, my listeners. We're approaching our 100th show coming up soon, our 100th show. We actually just recorded it with a very special guest, no spoilers. Um, but I'm very grateful for you that we've uh, we've made it almost all this way this far. Um, so whether or not you've given us a rating or review, I love you, though especially those kind raters and reviewers, you get a little bit of extra love. All right, on to this special episode with Talia Suskauer. All right, 
We are so excited to have Talia Suskauer on the pod today. Talia has a BFA in musical theater from Penn State University. She's been on Broadway on shows like Wicked, where she's currently playing Elphaba through March 5th. Get your tickets now um, after touring the show. Um, she's also been in Be More Chill after doing it off-Broadway. She transferred to Broadway. Um, and she's going to tell us a little bit about an upcoming show where she's going to be doing Gypsy at the Good Speed coming up soon. She's also a 2015 Young Art winner, which we're going to talk about a little bit on the pod. And most importantly, of course, a former MTCA student and a member of our proud multi-time MTCA families, which we'll talk about a little bit too, which is very exciting. Talia, how are you doing? Welcome on the pod. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Yes, yes, yes. All right, I'm going to start you off with my first question, which I ask everyone, which is to take yourself back. And for you, it's not so far back. For those not watching the video, Talia is a very young person, of course. But take yourself a little back to 17-year-old Talia and your college process, or at least your auditioning for college process, you know, working with MTCA and, and what you learned there. Do you, do you feel like you have a memory of like what we would now call a mission statement or like what your goals were for your college list? Did you know what you wanted in a program? And then how was that reflected in your, what you actually did and how your process carried itself forward? Yeah, I knew I didn't really want to do a school that was just a conservatory where I would kind of be tunnel visioning musical theater the entire time. Um, it was really important to me, my family and I, that I go to a school where I would leave like a very well-rounded individual and human. Um, and I wanted to meet other people, other folks that, that you know, were not in the theater bubble because it can be very easy to stay there. Um, but I did want a very intense kind of um, mm -hmm. conservatory-like style training program within that university. So that already narrowed down my choices. So I mm -hmm. wasn't uh, one of the students who had um, like 50 schools on their mm -hmm. list. I was, I was like a 10 or 11 type type gal. You know, you mentioned my family. So what was that negotiation like? Was it parents who were a little bit more like, I want it to be a real institution? Or was that something you knew as well? I think we were both aligned on it, really. I don't think it was any kind of influence one way or the other. I think it was something that value-wise, we, my parents and I both knew that that we wanted for me. Do you feel like it was just something that you learned through going through the process? Like if you were to now go back, which is what all my dreams are about, is like going back to high school and being like, oh my God, how would I do it differently? Um, what would you do differently now if you did the process again? And or is there something you go, I really did this well, I would keep this this part of it? Yeah, I think I did a really good job of being myself throughout it. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't trying to be anything that I wasn't. Um I think the one thing I would go back and maybe do differently is not have my sights set on like one particular school or two particular schools. I ended up not going to either one of those schools. Uh -huh. um, so I think that really just keeping my options a little more open in my brain would have been a little more helpful and would have saved myself some some mental agony. Yep. Uh, but other than that, I felt like I, I would do the same thing over again. And now tell me, I'm going to ask a couple questions about your wonderful sister, but what was it like having a sister going through this process? Like I, I, my brothers are like so different from me. I'm the only artist in the family. Mm -hmm. I cannot imagine oh, wow. having someone else in my family also doing this and not only also doing this, but also going to the same college that you went to. Like, what was that like? Yeah, I felt like all of the crap that I went through in the college audition process, because honestly, I will tell anyone out there, nothing is as hard as that process. Mm. Mm. It is unnecessarily, unnecessarily difficult. <laughs> it like, truly, 
it, it is more difficult than it needs to be. And, and more difficult than booking off of on Broadway. Abs- like truly, absolutely. Yes. Like auditions yep. in life are not as difficult as the audition, college audition process. It is so like red wire, blue wire intense, <laughs> truly. Um, so I felt like everything that I went through, I was happy to have gone through first so that I could be of service to my sister going Uh through it. Um, And so I really felt like I was there for her. And through me, she was able to kind of gauge what she wanted and didn't Mm -hmm. want in a program. And she had, you know, basically two and a half years of watching me go to Penn State and going to Penn State and visiting to see, oh, wow, this actually could be a place that I, as an individual, Becca Seskauer could fit into. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was really important to her, I think, to go into every audition process being like, I am not I don't want to be known as Talia's sister. I want uh-huh. to be known as Becca Seskauer. And she came into Penn State and they were like, absolutely 5,000%. If you come here, you know, we already have a Talia. We don't want another Talia. Uh-huh. We're, we're going to accept you as, as you. And so she got in, I think it was like early decision or early action or whatever it was for Penn State. She got in in December and she pretty much made up her mind, which was mm. so great for her. And it was a, a total gift to be able to to have her at school. You saved yourself some of the agony and then maybe saved her some of the agony too in, in, in the process. Absolutely. Yeah. And w- now did that hold true at Penn State in terms of, was there ever any competition or did, did you ever faculty members who were like, oh, you know, Talia's better at this or Becca's better at this? Or, not ever. you get any of that? I, I, no, not ever. And I was really fortunate that they, they kept their word on that. But it's true. My sister and I are so different. Um, oh. We're just completely different performers and, and people. So, um, any kind of comparison between the two of us would have been kind of fruitless because we're so different. All right. Not to get so. deep therapy on you, but what about in the family? Cause I sometimes get this with our parents. It was not, not your parents. I would never say that, but sometimes parents would be like, Oh, my younger daughter is really, she's a better singer versus my older daughter is a better actor. And I'm always like, that feels so weird. Cause my parents know nothing about art. So they never would have done that to us, you know, in mm-hmm. that world. Did you ever get that in the family of like, Oh, we really think Becca's special at this versus Talia is good at this. Not really. I think it was kind of like we were both honestly very fortunate to to have equal but different talents in that uh-huh. way. Um, so I think it, it, at least from my point of view, she might have a different answer. It really felt like we were both kind of being championed by her. And talents. we're going to bring her out right now. Look to your <laughs> left. Becca is coming out. The- no. um, before, I want to talk a little bit about the Penn State experience uh, more holistically for you. But before we get into that, can you just tell me a bit about Young Arts? So how did you discover this? How did you apply? Tell me about that. It's something yeah. we tell our students to do, but not all of them necessarily know about it. Some of them come in already hearing about it, but I'd love to hear about Young Arts for you. Yeah. So I auditioned actually, I think a couple times in high school and never got it. And I was lucky to be kind of like a young freshman coming in. I'm an August mm-hmm. birthday. So I had one more shot at it mm-hmm. um, when I was a freshman in college. And so I decided to just give it a go and was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be accepted. And, and there was a young arts finalist for in 2015, I think you said, uh, which was a long time ago. So that, and that was your, after you'd already gotten into college, but before you started. College. No, I was actually in college. Yeah, I see. You're yeah, about to, so I about was to a, your sophomore year. Yeah. So I think it was January uh, of my freshman year. I went and did the young arts program and it was amazing. I mean, I met so many incredible folks who I'm still, like, I still keep in touch with that were, both the faculty members of the program and also the uh, like my fellow finalists. And it was an amazing week, just totally inspiring. And um, like I, I, the song that I did for the performance all falls down from Chaplin 
uh-huh. kind of, I think, initially kind of put me on the map. The video, for some reason, got totally. a lot of traction. And what do you mean, for some reason? Because you're amazing is why. Well, Come on. Thank you. But no, but it was, it was, I was like not expecting it to fully like take off and, uh-huh. and it did. And it was it, very cool. And I think that's kind of was my first like, here I am type thing. Uh-huh. I'm on the map. Even while I was still in school. And aside from just that beautiful video and an introduction to social media, what does it mean in terms of there's some money involved, right? And some opportunities. What does it mean from a young arts perspective? Yeah, I mean, there's, uh, depends on uh, kind of your performances throughout the week and the way that you, I think, work throughout the program. And um, you could be awarded a certain sum of money at the end of your time. And so um, it's really great for, especially for folks who um, need some financial assistance Mm -hmm. going into school and in their lives. And I just think it's, it's a really brilliant and beautiful program for not only theater, but you know, for anyone listening who has, who has kids or who is involved in any other areas of the arts. arts. All right, enough shilling for this other company. Let's talk about (laughs) um, Penn State a little bit. I'd love to hear about, um, you know, especially I think Penn State is one of those schools. It's not unique in in this way, but it's one of these schools that really has a strong sense of like what it means to be a Penn State student. We MTCA has recently hired our third Penn State alum within the admin team, and oh my god, the we are's and the little lion emojis—it's too much for us, right? But what does that mean? To, what did it sort of feel like to come to a school that has that kind of strong identity? It was. It felt like family instantly. I think like. From the second that I stepped foot on the campus, I knew I was in between two different schools, Florida State and Penn State. And they were both kind of very similar in structure, um, Mm -hmm. which is why I gravitated towards them. One would have been free for me pretty much as a Florida resident, and Mm -hmm. the other one would have been out of state. And so my parents were just so supportive. I visited Florida State first, had a great time. I was like, this is the place. Mm -hmm. And then went up to Penn State with my mom and I actually stepped foot on campus and, and met with the faculty and took a voice lesson and and kind of was literally embraced in this big Nittany Lion mm-hmm. kind of hug initially. And it was like, if you're a Penn Stater, your family now is like the lineage of Penn Staters. Uh-huh. That's basically how it is. And, you know, the second I got there, they were like, if you go at Penn State is the largest alumni network and if you go anywhere and you shout we are, it's very likely that you will get a Penn State and uh, terrify everyone else around. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And and then did you end up doing some negotiating in terms of your parents going, we have this other free option. How did that work with you financially then to bring down, you don't have to tell us exactly what you paid, but were you able to bring down the cost? I was given a scholarship as well at Penn State and and given some money there. And I think to my parents, what was really the most important, which I'm so, so fortunate to say is that, you know, they were like, wherever you feel like you will thrive is where we want to send you. And that was like a, such an amazing gift. And and luckily I hope it has paid off for them. And uh, I truly feel like I did go to the right place for me. And totally. yeah. Shout out Suskowers. Um, Shout out. Let's talk about what, you know, from a class perspective, what's the biggest thing you take away from those years in terms of training? Like what are you really grateful to have under your belt as a professional, whether it's a class or a specific teacher, a lesson that you, you really remember? Oh, there are so many things. I mean, the voice program at Penn State is top tier. Um, my lesson in actually when I visited Penn State, they had me take a voice lesson with Mary Saunders Barton, who has since retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, from the second I walked out, I was like, oh, this is the place. I mean, this this training is unlike any other. 
So there was that. I think um, there was also, we have a lot of different studio classes and audition classes and biz of the biz class. And, and so I feel like not only are you prepared as an artist when you're leaving, you're prepared as a professional going into this industry that is, it's an industry. It's mm-hmm. a job. You know, we can't forget, we can't get so caught up in the art artistry part of it that we forget the money aspect and the mm-hmm. contract aspect and negotiation and agents, managers talking about all of the things that make it a business. So I feel like I was really fully prepared as a business person in the industry. Totally. You're giving the takeaway from our last episode. We talked about exactly that with oh, Mary cool. Sugarman. Um, on the converse, what do you feel like Penn State was missing or what would you add in if you could go a little bit more of this? I, I kind of wish now that I've graduated, I realized I wasn't, maybe some of you didn't take advantage of as much or just wasn't quite in the program as much. Yeah, at the time, um, we weren't really lacking a TV and film element uh-huh. to the program. So I feel like I've got no TV and film training. I think they were kind of, at the moment, in between the class above me got some TV and film, and I'm pretty sure the classes below me got it. So I think huh? maybe the person left or something happened. I'm not really quite sure what, what happened there, but our class was kind of shafted a little bit in terms of the TV and film training. Totally makes sense. You luckily have a face for stage anyway, so it's just totally a fast for stage. stage. Um, all right, so talk to me about that post-collegiate life. How quickly then, it's, I mean, pretty quick in the grand scheme of things, I, I can tell, given the year that it is and when you graduated, but how quickly were those first couple months and years of getting your yourself under your feet or your feet under your New York of it all it and kind of, getting agents and all that? It kind, So it kind of all happened pretty rapidly for me, and I'm so fortunate to say that. Um, I showcased uh, with my class in May of 2018, got an agent out of that, mm-hmm. and the week before showcase actually auditioned for be more chill off Broadway uh-huh. and booked it. So I was coming into the city with a job. Which and your was, agent's like, good decision. Uh, like, hold Great, on to thank you. you so much. I actually yeah. like came into them with that job already under my belt, which was very cool. Amazing. Um, so Amazing. I had a couple months to just kind of have fun, get like, I moved to the city pretty immediately and then started work. And then we were off Broadway. So this was the summer that I moved to the city and then we were told we were going to be moving to Broadway. And so I was like, uh, oh my God. So, so easy. What are we talking about it being hard? Like, you what? showcase, you book, and you go to Broadway. What's the problem? That's it. Broadway in less than six months. That was, was kind of, That's my mom actually was joking with me. She, it was a total joke. I think she was kind of being serious, but I, she says it's a joke. Uh, but she said, you've got six months to get on Broadway when you move <laughs> to the city. Go. And I As was like, were. hey mom, guess who's going? Pay up. Um, <laughs> pay up then so yeah so i moved so I, then i had a couple of months off in the winter and then we started rehearsals for broadway and that was that so that's amazing and then after we finished on broadway i had auditioned for wicked the week before we closed and then booked that the week jesus we so i really Hell it's yeah. been a it's been a ride this is not just listeners this is not how it normally it's goes, not how it works let's be clear <laughs> um what about you know in those peaks and valleys that your career is inevitably going to be you know and, and already has been what about you know was there some um i guess valley of disappointment of be more chill in terms of i mean it feels like that was riding such a high that show with so much hype around it and the fact that it you know obviously it did well it made it to broadway but it didn't turn out to be running for six years um was that like a, oh my god my first show it was up 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 and then down or was it like i'm on a wicked no, honestly and and i mean i didn't know that i would be cast in wicked until be more chill had, be more chill had closed but right. i think any all of us were just so surprised that the life continued on to Broadway. Uh-huh. So I think we were just going to ride the wave for however long it took us. Right. 
Um, we had sold out runs off Broadway and, and perhaps it should have stayed there, but also like it went to Broadway and that was so freaking incredible. Heck yeah. Um, and, uh, so I think that we were all just really grateful for the time and I wasn't, it wasn't upset. I mean, I just, cause again, like we're trained for that. Like we know how things work shows open and close in months sometimes. And like, I, it was really interesting to go from a show that had a six month run on Broadway to a show that is a machine like Wicked where like it's entering its 20th year you know yeah, so it's crazy um and we've got to shout out joel wagner also friend of the pod and longtime coach who's also at mb more chill um all right so can i get you a little disappointing here i don't know why i'm trying to be like give me something sad for the love of god Holly. it's all too happy um what about what was the experience for you of a pandemic you know uh, we've talked about it a little bit with like elizabeth and some other people who have had that kind of uncertain pandemic because tell me if this is true you were playing alphabet up to the pandemic it happens did you know then you're like, I know for sure it'll be back. How did the communication work? What was that year and a half or whatever it ended up being? It was really right. hard. It was a really hard year. I mean, we closed uh, like everyone at March 12th, 13th area in 2020. And then I went home to Florida and, you know, we kept pandemic, getting. Because there's no masks. Yeah, no rules that's in Florida. it. You're doing great. That, no rules. Get crazy. Ooh, get crazy up in here with COVID. <laughs> um, but really, I think we were kind of being not in un, like not cruelly strung on but yep. no one really knew how long it would take so it was kind of like months. okay this tour city has been canceled okay now right. this tour city has been canceled and so i was just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and then finally we got to like mid-summer 2020 and i was like okay this isn't happening uh-huh. i'm gonna give up some hope here mm-hmm. and when i gave up hope it just destroyed me i was like I didn't want to hear about Wicked. I didn't want to hear about Broadway. I didn't want to hear singing. I didn't want to hear music. I was so like, I can't. There we go. That's the darkness I need from you. It was, I'm serious. It was, it was horrendous. And I was just, I felt really purposeless. I was like, who am I without this life? And I had to discover that. And I did. And so by the time we did come back a year and a half later, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, all right, let's get back into shape for this. Let's do this. And then, the good thing about it all is that I did discover who I am without yep. it. Totally. So, yeah, I mean, it's like this business is so hard. I mean, everyone experiences in the pandemic who went through this um, in this business. Like, it's so hard already just as the business to add in an element like that where there's something that you have no control over is crazy. I mean, just to be yeah. like, what? I had to get the agent, I had to book the show, I had to do this, and then all this happened. Like, it's, it's really tough. All right, we've made you sad, which is my dream, finally. And then let's take a little break. We'll wallow for a second in our tears. And then on the back end, we're going to talk about Wicked and some joy as well. Great. We are back with the great Talia Soskauer. And we're going to talk a little bit about Wicked. So you started talking about it a little bit. But just I'd love to hear a, a bit about like what it feels like taking on the iconic role in this iconic franchise. You called it a machine, right? I don't, don't make me do the math of how many years it have been running, but it's been running for a long 20, time. 20. 20 years. Some amazing performers who've played that role before. So what did that feel like taking on uh, um, the role? I mean, it's always been my dream to do this role. Um, I think maybe initially, I'm remembering in my initial like MTCA consultation, you know, like it's all about like... Back. I'm going to pull up your know. document. It's like, it's like, what are your dreams and hopes and all that stuff? And I'm mm-hmm. almost positive I mentioned like doing this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I talk about it a lot. But any chance I had to uh, the chance to sing in public, I would I would sing from the show. Uh-huh. I would uh, I, I was just totally manifesting this. And so to get it was 
a total dream come true. And it's been a blast. I started playing Elphaba when I was 23. Mm-hmm. And now at 26, which is with the pandemic in between, almost 27, it's kind of wild to say that I've, I really I feel like I've grown up playing uh-huh. this part. Is that very young for an alpha? I actually don't know. Like, uh, on a, do they tend to be older? Yeah, it's actually. I think that the youngest person to ever play Alphaba was in Mexico when she was like nineteen or something crazy uh-huh. like that. But in America, I think I'm the youngest to do it full time. You better believe it. Very mature, though. Very mature. Um, and did you think about like, I don't know, this is just additional pressure to put on yourself. But did you think about like, hey, I'm going to try to make it my own? Or if if that started happening, was that part way through the run where you're like, now how do I put my spins on it and my yeah. additions? If there's there's such. I things? think what's really cool about this part is that. It just, it it is, I had to immediately take the pressure off myself to be like, how am I going to be different? And I said to myself, you know what? It's going to be different because I'm Talia and I'm not Shoshana Bean or Eden Espinosa or Teal Wicks. You know, I'm just the very nature of just being a different human being. It's Mm going to be different. Um, And so when I did that, I found like a freedom in my own performance, which was really cool. Um, And so, yeah, it's been cool to watch it evolve. I feel like pre-pandemic Elphaba was like very different than post-pandemic uh-huh. Elphaba. That just kind of, you know. Because Tali was different. You're saying I was a different yeah, person. After I, I mean, I grew up and I and I feel like that year aged us all like 25 years. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so it was Certainly. just very cool to come back and be like hear things differently and sing things differently. And yeah. Totally. And then what about like, was this your first time really doing that kind of stage door experience of like young, did young fans come up to you a lot and empty hopefuls? Did you feel a lot of that? And some celebrities I saw on your Instagram, some, you know, pink or whatever was on the stage. Yeah, I was like, oh my God. I mean, it, it it's kind of wild because I was such a big stage door kid when I like was growing up and into the early teens. And so to meet people is, is mostly pre-pandemic of, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate because of all the mask masking and regulations and stuff. But it was, it's so cool to be like, I'm in high school and I'm doing this. And I'm like, I was just there. Like, keep going, uh-huh. you know, like you've got this. Um, so it's cool to be that person for somebody and hopefully leave a lasting, nice interaction they can remember. Totally. I, I remember well being a coach who was, you know, just that stone's throw away from having been in their shoes. And it's just a different connection you make with a 17 year old when you're 22 than when you're 30 or 35 yeah. or 40 or, you know, as you get older. That won't happen to you, though. You're going to stay young forever, Talia. I forever. Promise. Forever. Um, you mentioned training for like what is obviously a very vocally demanding role. Um, let's get a little nitty gritty. What does that mean for you in terms of you took a year off? And so like, what are you doing? Like if, you know, I'm lifting weights at the gym to get back, yeah. back in shape for sports. How do you do that vocally? So pre-pandemic, I was never a big, like I always wanted to get to the gym. I wasn't. And then finally pandemic happened and I, when I eventually kind of gave up all hope that we were going back or Broadway was ever going to come back, I was initially taking voice lessons as we thought we were, you know, they kept canceling cities. I was, and then eventually I was like, there's no point in wasting money or doing this. And I stopped. And then eventually to get my like self out of depression, I started going to the gym and training mm-hmm. with a trainer. And I found so much joy in strength training. And actually it was like, this is going to help me when I get back into the show. Hmm. And Help me, it did. And so that, in addition to, you know, training to actually get back to doing the show after a year and a half off was really intense. And I would run on the treadmill and sing and and huh. do a ton of voice lessons while doing crazy stuff in terms of getting cardio and stamina back up. And then I found when I got back into the show, I was so physically prepared for it in a way that I think I wasn't the first time. So that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. 
For those not watching the video, Talia is like absolutely jacked. It's sort of like a Popeye situation. Yeah, um, you bet. If you just like just completely eight pack. Yeah, eight that's pack. it. Yeah. Um, but what do you? Is, I'm interested in that the strength training in terms of helping you sing. Was it just about giving you more? Um, yeah, I guess uh, cardiovascular sort of uh, um, mm-hmm. stamina, or like, is there some stuff in terms of abdominally what you're doing that actually means you can sing? Well, more? there's that, but it's the cardio stuff. Absolutely, I think. I have a lot of very heavy props and like singing with Uh a broom and holding a broom and just the, Uh and the broom is not light. And the action of just like having your arms out and making sure your, uh, your lats are engaged, you know, it's all about engagement and, Mm. um, feeling yourself rooted into the ground. And in our case at the Gershwin, our stage is raked. Mm -hmm. So to, to feel like I'm able to plant like a tree on that stage is something that I, you need to be strong in your uh-huh. body or else you will fall over. So your you know? physical strength is actually giving you like freedom in the places you need to vocally because your your legs are rooted and so then there's freedom up top. Absolutely. Legs, arms, everything's engaged in a mm-hmm. way that can allow me to express and be free and not have to worry about truly tipping over. <laughs> Super cool. Did you ever yeah. tip over? Did it happen on stage? You know what? Stump? So uh, the transition from tour to Broadway, the stage is not raked on tour. The stage uh-huh. is raked on Broadway. So it's like... I think initially I was like, whoa, what's going on? I was kind of like, you're standing, you think you're standing one way and you're just like slightly tipping, but you know, it gets better. It's when you turn on a rake stage that you're like, oh, darn. Uh Oh, yeah. You're like, what is going on? Or standing and like one hip is like this. That's it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable on the hip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about you just got off, fresh off of a concert, a 54 Below concert, which feels like it's a rite of passage for musical theater people in New York City. Yes. Um, I want to talk about like kind of the motivation behind it, the process of it. And like, what do you see for that kind of venture for yourself? What what makes you inspired to go, hey, I I think this is what I wanted to do with it. And here's what I might want to continue doing with concerts. Yeah, so it's something that I've always known that I've I wanted to do is do a solo show, because you know we're on stage and we're playing characters, and that's honestly easier to me than standing on stage as yourself and being mm-hmm. fully yourself mm-hmm. um, and vulnerable uh, in front of an audience. And I think it's one that's a very cool challenge to me, and two, it's a really cool way to engage with folks who don't really know me um, as me outside of the mm-hmm. parts that I've played. So um, I really wanted to be intentional about my timing with this. And so I chose two weeks before mm-hmm. I'm done Wicked to do this show, which was, I'm not, I think right before I was like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> but in hindsight, I'm like, you know what? It was a perfect time to do it. I kind of used it as an opportunity to be like, okay, yes, I've played this part. It's been amazing. And I'm so grateful to be moving forward. And so here's who I am outside of all of that. Yep. And so um, it got really the, the buzz around it was really wonderful and good. And I think I'm ho- hopefully going to be doing it again or some version of it yep. soon. So yeah, it was a cool challenge. It was hard. I was shaking <sighs> in my boots. Like I, believe I get it. nervous before Wicked, but this was on another level. It does become a really cool calling card. Something I've, I've noticed with Elizabeth that, you know, something uh, she's been able to continue doing at different times, especially between gigs. And it's a cool calling card to be like, yep, yeah, I got a whole show I can put together that I feel Absolutely. like a lot of MTs want to have that, have a cabaret or have some kind of solo show. Yeah, um, that they can just do. to have, you know. Totally. Yeah. Um, what about in these last two weeks, which no longer – oh, it's still two weeks. No, it's a week and like a half. Like a week and a half. Oh, my God. In this last time, do you have any big goals of like, are you just trying to take one show at a time, do your thing? Or is there anything you're like, in these next 10 things, I'd want to discover the one thing I've never found yet or the one – is there something that you're hoping to do in the next 10, 12 shows, whatever it is? 
I really just think I'm trying to finish strong and enjoy it and mm. be present and engaged and just really enjoy every moment of it because yeah. you know I was just talking I I had the chance to meet my first alphaba Shoshana Bean which was really cool mm. and uh we did a concert together last month and and I was kind of picking her brain and she gave me this like piece of advice that is so simple but it's really like very profound and she was like you know you really need to enjoy these last few weeks because you will never get this time back mm-hmm. you will never get it back and so I'm really just trying to be very open and grounded and just taking it all in. Yep. So, Well, and now imagining yourself, it's March 6th now, the two days before this episode is going to be released. Um, tell me a little bit about what feels like next for you. I mean, I know you've got the, the good speed lined up, but, you know, as you just think about like tracking your career trajectory, you're obviously a very young person still in the world, still building your career. You know, are these conversations you're having with your agent? I don't know if you now have a manager or anything. Is this the kind of thing you're thinking about? Hey, I want in the next five years to try to do X, Y, and Z, do more of that TV and film. Are there goals that you have for yourself about what you want to uh, come next? Yeah. I mean, new works. I would love to be a part of any new works or readings and uh, kind of build something with a team from the ground up. That's Mm -hmm. really important to me. I think, um, yeah, originating something would be incredible. TV and film for sure. And then just, I, I mean, just we are so lucky to be working and just mm-hmm. to keep working. It's it's so important. Um, so I just will feel lucky as long as I'm able to, to keep making a living doing what I love. Totally. So. All right. You heard it here, folks. If you are casting new works, Talia wants in on your new works. We're I want in. If we can do it. Are you ready to play a very stupid game? I love stupid games. The game is called Green or Blue, and you have to try to decide, <laughs> is this something that's wicked or Penn State? Is it we are or is it wicked? Like, is okay. it which, which of these things belong in which category? <laughs> so it. I'm, I'm going to give you a fact, and you're going to tell me if it's true about wicked, if it's true about Penn State, or if it's just untrue, so true about neither. Make okay. sense? Those yes. are the three options. Okay. It's not an easy game. It is a dumb game. Yeah? Okay. Yes. Got okay. it. In 2016, this institution past 1 billion in total revenue in 2016. Is that wicked? That is wicked. For reference, and this shocked me, Penn State's yearly revenue is 8.6 billion. So they pass it many times a year. Yeah, I was gonna say tuition, there's no way. There's no way, there's no way of 1 billion. Okay, Yeah. all right. For this institution, a lion is featured. Both. Both is correct. That was a little tricky. I would have given you credit for Penn State's both. small court, but yeah. both. Very good. I didn't even give you both as an option. You were there. You're doing great at this game so far. Thank Talia. you so much. This institution was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom for sustained excellence in its chosen field in 2018. Penn State. Neither. It's neither. I just made it up. Neither? You don't give a Presidential Medal of Freedom for sustained oh excellence. Oh, my God. Whatever. I was going to say, like, who who got that? Who okay. could that be? A person maybe could get it. But yeah. No, okay, great. We're going to do an alumni runner. So I'm going to name a bunch of people and you're going to tell me, God forbid, you're going to do fine. The first one, someone you already named. Are they a Wicked alumni? A Penn State alumni? Or both. Neither or both. Those neither. are the four options. Okay, here we it go. could be a neither. Don't forget there could be a neither in there. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Shoshana Bean. Wicked. Absolutely. Went to she CCM. went to CCM. Oh my God, that was really good. You did that. Okay. Megan Hilty. Not Penn State, but Wicked. Not Penn State, but Wicked. Went to Carnegie Mellon. Exactly right. Santino Fontana. Neither. Neither. Went to the Guthrie program. Absolutely. Caroline Bowman. Both, baby. Both, baby. Absolutely. Annalie Ashford. Wicked. 
and mapping the college edition, of course, Ty Burrell. Um, Penn State, not right. Wicked. Not Wicked, MFA Penn State, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Talia Suskauer. Both. You better believe it. Keegan Michael Key. Penn State. That's right. You're perfect so far. We're down to the letter H in the alphabet, whatever number that is, and you have not made a mistake. Aaron Tveit. Just Wicked. Just Wicked. Ithaca, absolutely. Rick Santorum. Penn State. Penn State. I don't think he was a musical theater major. Yeah, but no, Penn no, State. no. Yeah. Ali Mozzie. Um, Just Wicked. Just Wicked. NYU. You're doing wonderfully yeah. so far. Here we go. Carly Hughes. Uh, oh, man. I know she went to Penn State. I know she went to Penn State, but I don't know if she was in Wicked or not. I'm so scared. She wasn't in Wicked. Was not in Wicked. That's correct. You're Woo. doing wonderfully so far. Patrick Wilson. Penn State. Not in Wicked. No, Carnegie Mellon. Come on. Unbelievable. Yeah. It's the first miss you've had. Wait, first miss you've had. Wait, wait, wait. Patrick Wilson. I thought you said mm. some. Oh, fuck. He's an oh. actor. He's a huge. He's on the mm. tone. He's, he's, the, tar- uh. he's the Carnegie Mellon. Oh. I messed up. Okay. You're going to get this next one. Okay. Alshin O'Malley. It's my best friend. It's the most Gaelic name ever. Uh, she is both. Do you want to pronounce it for us Gaelically for me? Alshin O'Malley. Alshin O'Malley. Okay, great. Both. <laughs> we love that. I saw that cute article about you guys being besties. That was cute. Yes. Tay Diggs. Wicked. Absolutely. Kelly O'Hara. Neither. Neither. That's right. She went to OKCU and Tay Diggs went to Syracuse. I don't know why I'm trying to read all the schools there, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. All right. You've done wonderfully. You have three more questions in this game okay. before we wrap up. I think I'm at like a 90, 91. Oh, you're way above 90. Okay. You're, you're, you've missed one question. Patrick Wilson was the only one you missed. Okay. You're doing, you're crushing it. This institution once featured a character named Old Coley the Mule before rewrites slash updating the character. Uh, that has to be just Penn State. That's Penn State. That's the, their old mask. That's got to be Penn State. That's, That's terrifying. Exactly terrifying. This institution has been often called the good luck charm as people who spend an evening participating in the campus slash theater have found themselves extremely fortunate the following day. Honestly, I've never heard this about Penn State. So I don't think it's true. Neither. I made it up. Yeah. Absolutely. You're doing great. Thank Ellie. you. Last question. Approximately $300. Am I giving you the cost of a day of college at Penn State University, out of state, no scholarship, or the cost of an orchestra ticket for February 25th, Saturday night showing of Wicked on Broadway? Honestly, I think it might be both. It is both. That's 100% correct. <laughs> for bonus points, for bonus points, which one is more expensive? A day at Penn State, out of state, no scholarship, or that Wicked ticket? Uh, is it Penn State? Penn State, shout out okay. to the Suskowers. About $328 wow, in my quick math. Wow, 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 wow. This life is an expensive life. This is a great game. I don't know why you thought it was <laughs> stupid. I thought it was great. When I think the games are good, they're stupid. So I'm trying to now like nag myself. Yeah, at the no, this is a great, this was a very way. challenging and great game. So. You did very well in this game. I am very impressed. Thank you. I do want to talk a little bit about social media. Um, I know this is now a place where you obviously have a presence. You have tons of followers. It's amazing. Right. And I saw was it maybe a year ago, you had that beautiful video that went viral of you and your teacher, like you surprised your teacher, your old teacher from, I don't know, from yeah. before high school. I don't remember what it was. What, what is your relationship with social media? How are you using it actively? How do you feel about it? I just love to hear a little bit about your thoughts on the social media world. Social media is just the a double-edged sword because I mm. feel like Unfortunately, it's necessary right now. It's a really good way for people to get a sense of who you are, especially like casting and and just anyone. Um, 
I think that it's incredibly addictive and is can be a toxic wasteland. Um, mm-hmm. And I find myself spending way too much time on it. So I'm kind of navigating my own personal relationship with it as we speak. Um, but I think that it is, especially for young people, very important that they represent themselves on social media the way that like they want people to view them as humans. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, if that means like having a, your own private personal one and then having a professional one where you post your videos and you do that and that, great, that's fine. Um, mm-hmm. Just figure out a way that you can do it in like a healthy way for you. Um, and what does healthy mean for you, especially maybe on the consumption end? What are you worried about for yourself? Are you looking at, you know, competitors or rival people and seeing what their shows are? What's what's sort of addicting you as you're going, I got to get off this platform? I think, it's, I think it's less that and it's more of like, I'm on my phone and then it's 20 minutes later and I'm like, oh, I'm still here. And I'm looking at- What happens? At, What's on that screen? What like, are you looking at? Like nothing almost. I don't nothing. think, you I know, know what I mean? It's like, what am I looking at? I don't think it's anything yeah. important. Um, yeah. So I think there's just better ways to spend time. And what I've started to do is set screen time limits on my phone. So uh-huh. I'll do like the, I'm only allowed to spend an hour a day on social media. Uh-huh. And then it gives me a little like thing that. and it's like, hey, this is your hour. You're Bye. Up. And I'm like, okay, great. And what about in terms of like output? Do you have like a strategy? You don't have to give us all your details of like, yeah, I do no, it I mean, Tuesdays. It's... But how do, you, how do you think? Am I trying to post once a week? Am I trying? How are you thinking about your output in terms of social media? I think I'm trying to kind of be engaging uh, at least a couple times a week, whether it's posts um, or stories or whatever, just trying to like engage the audience in quotes. Yep. Um, and then also now it's now I have this great footage from my show. And so I think it's now yep. as I'm transitioning from Wicked to the rest yep. of my life, it's important for me to kind of transition over on my social media to make it less about Wicked stuff and more about Talia and totally. what she can do. Do you feel that in terms of, I know Wicked has just such a rabid following of especially like the alpha buzz that's like, there's like now this like people who follow all the alphabets and do you feel like a responsibility to give some of your social media following what they want in terms of you as alphabet i think kind of right now i'm kind of use milking it for all it's worth and then once i yeah. go it'll be you know every so often and i'm hoping those people will still be interested in my life when i'm done here and if not then that's okay yeah. you know yeah, i'll totally. survive you will survive. You survived before them and you will survive after those 50,000 people or whatever there. Um, what about, let's talk a little bit about the industry at large. You know, in this year of 2023, I think the past few years have been a, a real years of transition for the industry. And I think especially as a young person, you know, so often I talk about like our students are going to demand from the industry that it is what they they were told it will be and that, that what they expect it to be. You know, kind of as someone who's in that group of graduates that maybe are pushing or changing or evolving with it. Like, where do you feel it going? Where do you feel like 10 years from now, the business is going to be different or how it's even been different in the past couple of years um, of your career? Well, I think that right now it's harder for people who, I mean, the pandemic changed everything for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that in terms of auditions, like there is are less of them and less of a chance to be seen in person. A lot of them you have to like, get really good at auditioning on tape because Mm -hmm. that's the only way they're going to let you into the room. And that's really frustrating Mm -hmm. for me as I feel like when I go into a room, like that's when I, they can feel my essence. So I think that's kind of harder to convey over tape. Um, I'm feeling your essence through the screen. I just want to be clear. Well, thank you so much. Then I feel essence has been portrayed. Great. Um, So I feel like in that way it's changed and I don't know 
how I mean, I think there's going to be an element of that that's always going to be at play in terms of auditioning. Uh-huh. I think it's just uh-huh. easier for people to go remote initially, and it saves the people in the room time. Uh, and I think. It's- and what do you think about that? Do, do you then think, okay, I just got to get really good at self tapes? How, how do you deal with that if you're someone who thinks you are, in essence, better than I don't know. I, I'm trying to figure that out, and I don't know if I have an answer for it. And I also. It pisses me off because I'm in a tiny studio apartment and I don't mm-hmm. have a lot of room for a whole self-tape setup. So I'm having to rent spaces and yep. it's a lot of money. And yep. so I think I'm really fortunate to be working right now. But to folks who like don't have a steady stream of income and you're asking them to tape and like. And God forbid dance. Like when the people ask for dance, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, wh- like where do you do it? Thank God I'm not going to dance calls. But like, Oof. I don't know how. I don't, I just don't think it's fair. There has to, we've yeah. got to come up with a better system for folks because like having people rent studios to learn right. combinations and film them is not yeah. fair. And I think that yeah. if you're asking people to film, if you don't want to hold an in-person dance call, everyone that you're asking to tape, put on tape needs a stipend. Low stipend. Totally agree. So, I mean, cause we feel so resourced. I feel so compared to the vast majority of people. So resourced still are for, a year our you know room is my daughter's bedroom which yeah. is, has a crib behind it and so it's like when we pan out to the slate you're like look at our weird crib like it's just like that's what's gonna happen like it's just the way of the world right it's yeah. tough um what about if you were to give a little advice to a young person you've done it maybe already for becca and her process but now an- another young mtca person says i want to be this actually happened if you can believe it tali someone i talked to recently was like i want to be like tali when i grow up i was like oh my god that's what? so amazing that's like, like we really kind of nice. know, we know of her and it's like she's so amazing she's, i'm like so now you're talking to that student yeah. or student like this person uh, how, what what advice would you give them of going if you want to be you know talia seven years from now um what you might think about doing yeah, I think really having like you need to be really able to visualize your dreams and that's that that's a huge thing for me. But I think in terms of concrete steps, um get involved as much as you can in everything. Just submerge yourself in art and I was constantly like like singing and listening to cast albums and in the practice rooms and and getting involved in shows and like even shows that like you know, we're community theater or regional, like anything, mm-hmm. like just put yourself in practice as much as possible and get to know yourself and who you are. And like, if you feel like you're not a dancer, like I felt like I wasn't like get into dance class and see how you can make your, make it move on your body. Mm-hmm. And so find out how you can be the best version of you and what makes you unique and just ride with that and roll with that. And I don't know if that's so concrete, but that's basically what I did. And and just be totally. unapologetically yourself. Even as a non-dancer, you had to figure out how to be an athlete to stand on the stage, break stage and hold the broom exactly. and do all the crazy And also like I know. got through, like when I first got here, I was still going to dance calls and I uh-huh. got through them and honestly made it to the end of a few yep. of them because I knew how to, to make choreography work with my skill set. On your body. Yep. It's so funny because I, I don't think of you as someone who's not a dancer. I mean, I may have known that all those years ago, but you look like a dancer. You carry yourself like a dancer. And I go, yeah, I believe Talia can dance. Yeah. I'm just, I think style is if you're not a dancer, then you better know how to pick up some style, you know? Uh-huh. And that's, I think, uh-huh. where I feel like, or I'm like, great, I'm going to make them look at me. Uh-huh. I'm going to be weird. I'm going to make so you look at my weird, weird face. So that <laughs> by the end of it, they're going to be like, wow, 
she's weird. We're going to keep her. She was giving it. Yeah. She's an option. We'll keep her as an option. Yes. Um, I love it. Anything you need to plug in terms of places people could check you out? I know. Can they stream this concert still or was that a one-time stream? I think it was a one-time thing, but keep like – Keep on the lookout for more videos I'm going to be posting. Mm. And um, yeah, come see uh, Gypsy at the good speed. Yeah, you better believe it. And we're following you at? At what? Talia Suscour at on Talia Instagram. Suscour. That will be in the show notes. We'll have all that for you. And Amazing. We'll links and such things, all that stuff. Talia, thank you for the time today. This thank was so you. fun. This was so fun, Charlie. Thank you. I loved getting to chat with Talia. She is so poised and grounded and wise beyond her years. And not at all surprised to hear our current students citing her as someone they want to look up to. You've got a pretty great role model in Talia students. Um, As far as this takeaway, I just want to hit something we touched on, which was not necessarily unique to Talia's episode, something we've talked about in different contexts with a couple different guests. But I think it is so relevant this time of year for our seniors and maybe even this time for all in our post-pandemic world for my professionals out there. Um, And that's just to check in with your relationship with social media right now, both intake and output. Um, Speaking specifically to my seniors, please just be very careful about what you put out there, both in terms of anything negative about a school or something too celebratory in your excitement in this moment. I mean, just think about, do you really want to post out there of you visiting University X and partying with all the alumni while you're trying to negotiate with University Y? Um, Use your friends and your family and, of course, your MTCA family to celebrate those acceptances. But I would be very careful with anything public on social media of that sort until you've made a final decision. And, of course, you probably don't need me to advise you to avoid anything negative on social media. It's a good rule for life in general, I think, but especially in this business. If you were to post something negative about a college or a negative audition story or even just something negative from your personal life, you would not want that to be what a school sees if they do a bit of snooping on you, which of course can and does happen. Um, As the kids would say, good vibes only with anything public. But then in terms of intake, uh, this is where I really want to speak to those out there who are going through it right now. Um, I think this is a really good month for seniors to honestly examine their relationship with social media and their mental health. I mean, this is true for all ages. Many professional actors will take a a hiatus for just the sake of their health from time to time. Elizabeth just did it recently um, for a bit. She just found it wasn't putting in her good mental frame and she wanted to use that time more productively. And so she took a little hiatus and then she came back. Right. Uh, That's not to say that everybody needs to get off of it immediately. But I do think everyone needs to ask themselves the question, and really listen to the answer. Is my relationship with social media bringing something positive to my life at this moment or not? Especially as you're following posts of people getting acceptances and you're still waiting on your dream school, is it putting you in a dark place? Some people can be really pretty, honestly joyful and watch others succeed and really celebrate them and be really healthy with it. And to those people, I say, yay, that's amazing, keep scrolling. But if you're more of a doom scroll kind of person, You know, if you're doing deep dives on relative strangers because they said they got into a school and you're waitlisted there and you're trying to tell from context clues whether they're going to accept the spot. And if they do, it definitely means you're getting off the waitlist. I might say it's a good time to get outside and breathe some fresh air. Right there, there are productive places you can put that energy in maintaining communication with the schools, but it might not be in the soft downward motion of your thumb. And I just think it's worth saying there is absolutely no shame in saying to yourself, that at this vulnerable moment of my life, 
this incredibly addictive drug that is grabbing all of our attention might be getting the best of me. And if so, just figure out what that means for you, right? Do you need to set some time limits on the app? Do you need to set limits of where you use and don't use your phone? Maybe not in the bedroom or not in the bathroom or not in the kitchen or there are places that you feel like you're really um, indulging more than others. Um, do you feel like you need a few weeks of, of full hiatus from certain apps? Maybe I'm, I'm not doing any TikTok or I'm not doing any Instagram or Snapchat or Be Real or all the things that you kids are on. Um, yeah, at MTCA, we have a private Facebook page where we celebrate all our students' acceptances privately, but we always truly respect students who choose to remove themselves from this group temporarily, or if they're really fancy, they can mute the notifications or doing whatever they're doing, maybe during certain hours, you don't want to see it pop up during school. Just think about healthily, what is your relationship with social media? Where is it helpful to you and where is it not? Right? You got to do what you need to do to keep yourself healthy and I do think it's really good practice for handling the ups and downs of this crazy business that you're going to be heading into for the long run. And you're going to have to deal with this a lot as we go. And just like that, another episode of Map in the College Edition. If you just can't break the social media addiction, you, you might as well follow us at Mapping the College Edition and MTCA on all platforms. You can also, of course, check us out directly on our website. Or if you're truly desirous of my love, leave a nice rating or review in your podcast application of choice. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, who here would take Talia's low-technique, weird face-based dance class? We'll see you next week. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.